Welcome to the Breaking New Ground podcast, hosted by Joel Pennington, head of product at Vim, where we'll explore new ideas and technologies that are shaping the places where we work, play, and live, both today and in the future. The middle manager is dead. Long live the middle manager. And you know who's at the end of their career? Those folks who aren't digital natives. And there's a whole generation of them retiring from the workforce while digital natives are coming in to fill the ranks. Welcome to Breaking New Ground from Vim. In today's episode, we're joined by Radha Mystery, a digital native who spends her time intuiting what our shared future, digital and physical, will be like. Welcome, Radha. Thank you for having me. So let's talk middle management because it's obviously everyone's favorite subject. Yeah, I mean, I also think that the way that people learn is going to change in those environments because you have an emerging generation of middle managers who are used to like hopping on YouTube, checking Instagram, learning something from a video tutorial, hitting up their friends across the world for something, right? They haven't grown up in these silos essentially um, due to just proximity, kind of physical proximity. And I guess we're part of that group now. <laughs> but, you know, there is a level of kind of fluency, I think, that exists. And so the technology isn't the inhibitor anymore in that sense. We've kind of grown up and gotten used to the fact that technology changes at intervals. And so now we have this, what I'm finding and what I'm seeing a lot is this, is folks are really innovating and finding, you know, new modes of inspiration, new ways of learning, new ways of connecting and finding it in unlikely places. So one of the things I wonder is this notion of kind of the, you know, the overly kind of, um, you know, the big lofty dinosaur company that's slow to change. Will that characterization still exist? Because so much of that is due to the people that exist in those organizations have to have a little bit of a media personality, right? You've got to have a bit of a profile online. And I think that's interesting. The, the other piece of that is the way that that generation has become really conversational with technology and the changes that we see in technology. So the tech is no longer the inhibitor when it comes to adopting new behaviors, um, having new mechanisms for learning, um, being okay with kind of you know, with change. I think that's something that I'm seeing so much in just even in teaching in the education space is this ability to deal with, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but it's just kind of the way it is to deal with change. Um, and I think that's, I'm curious about how that's going to change the culture of larger organizations who have historically not been so great at dealing with change um, and have been kind of met with a lot of resistance when we have these kind of incremental and exponential kind of uh, leaps forward in the technology space or in any space, right, in any sector that we're dealing with. Um, but I think just having folks who are, you know, who are able to learn quickly, who are fluent across different platforms and different tools and who have who don't necessarily have the same kind of hang-ups that you know we might have had growing up in one city or one state or one country and are a lot more i think um you know socially ambidextrous when it comes to just being able to hop contexts and 
take what they can from folks, um, even across borders and across on the other side of the world. I think that is going to be really interesting when we start to think about like new models of innovation and business ecosystems and things like that. Okay, so Rada, um, what about the the physical space that we uh, we work in today, or we did work in before the pandemic hit? Uh, I mean, are we ever really going to go back to that? I don't think we're going to go back to it in the same way that we did use it. And I think there's a few different reasons why. So there's the more practical reason, which is real estate is really expensive. And a lot of companies don't see it as a worthwhile investment anymore, especially in these kind of downtown business districts, right? They're not, it's not kind of, they're not these main hubs of innovation when, when ideas are flowing across the interwebs. Um, I think the other piece is, Folks don't want, in the same way that we kind of explore the internet and explore digital communities and can kind of hop from one place to the next and switch up our context depending on what our mood is, people kind of are going to come to expect that and I think have started to expect that in their workplaces. Um, and so, you, you know, it's not as important necessarily to be anchored to a desk, right? It's It's more important to have a few different kind of um, a suite of kind of like different environments that you can choose from based on maybe cognitively just where your brain is that day, what mood you're in, who you want to collaborate with. Um, and I think that flexibility and that agility is something that's going to be like a baseline expectation. So what that means is, do we need one desk for every person? Do we need, um, you know, do we need to have technology that's anchored that kind of tethers us or is it easier to have a laptop and an iPad and a phone um and just be able to work anywhere you know and meet with anybody at any time i think that is something that folks are going to be prioritizing more than you know here is my space with my wall where i can put up pictures of my family do i really need to do that no if i want to show you f photos of my children here's my phone <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think part of that comes with the value that we place on how much our physical environment speaks to who we are versus, again, how much our online profiles demonstrate who we are. And that value is starting to shift. And so all the, all those baby boomers, they're out the door. They just don't, they just, you know, I don't know. It's like back in my day, we had water cooler innovation. And we liked it. <laughs> right. Like, but listen, that water cooler talk, it's happening on Twitter with people in, you know, across the planet. And I'm getting so many more ideas than I would have from like the folks that I, you know, work with and live in the same neighborhood with and have probably had similar cultural experiences to. So you're on board with it. You think uh, social impact is, is generally positive? I mean, I look at like when I troll through Reddit, uh... I'm not necessarily seeing the best in humanity. But when we're talking about serious stuff like work, um, I have been remote now for years and uh, hasn't slowed us down at all, you know. But um, I'd love to hear your opinion because you're, you're at a big organization. But with the pandemic, you've been put into a remote position. How has that changed? I mean, I think it... You know, our team was very small and very close knit. And so we did 
hang out a lot kind of and have you know bonding time basically um a little you know like uh, everyone would grab a drink maybe in the evenings or something and that's when some really interesting stories would come up and that's when you'd find a lot of inspiration and i think we went through this lull where folks just got you know there was that zoom fatigue right and so and but again i have to consider the demo kind of the demographics of the team and you know where folks are in their careers and i don't know if like rob your team skews a little bit younger than mine i would say um and so i hope that's correct i think that is but like um you know i wonder if y'all had the same difficulty kind of switching to remote as we did um and it wasn't necessarily about the kind of the use of the tools everyone was fluent in that but i think it was just that feeling of a little bit of that human connection piece that was missing um but i say that again saying like looking to the future where i see kids being so much more comfortable being online and communicating in that way and less comfortable almost in in-person social interactions that to me is going to be interesting to watch and then i think the other piece is which we started to see with platforms like second life which was you're right like the, sometimes the worst parts of humanity come out in those environments where people feel like they are uninhibited and like it's not real life and that they have these digital avatar versions of themselves that don't have real world consequences. Um, but there are all of these new kind of, you know, fields of research where we're looking at what are the social norms and um, kind of, if we start to treat these digital communities, these virtual kind of online communities in the same way that we treat our real physical world, how do we actually interact with one another in a way that is humane? And do we need to actually start governing ourselves with, with laws, with policies that help to kind of regulate that? And I think that's the piece that's missing right now. It's kind of like the Wild West. Yeah. It's so new. We don't really know what the, the social contract is. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you're actually a trained architect. Yes. <laughs> and um and architects don't normally design like digital things it's you know things that get made built it's space talk to me about what it's like to be an architect but then also uh thinking about the future which sounds like it's going to be very heavily digital yeah so that's the so that's the interesting thing is now there's this kind of emerging field that's happening that's coming out of architecture programs where it's not a, you know, there are some students who go into architecture and want to build buildings and want to make the physical world a better place. And then you have AR and VR that's starting to really come in to the, to the architecture field. And we're starting to see people congregate for conferences online. And so we're like, okay, how do we make those physical, you know, those digital or fidgetal kind of um, environments more enjoyable, more thought provoking, more engaging, um, and so there's this, this generation of architects who, you know, maybe worked for a few years, have become a little bit, um, you know, jaded from the industry and, and are seeing the promise of these, not necessarily new technologies, but new for AEC, um, you know, or at least more accessible technologies for AEC. And, 
there is a whole space where we're seeing, I mean, I see like there are architecture critics who are critiquing the design of video games. Well, I believe it because, you know, game designers probably didn't go to architecture school. They should have because that stuff's super bad sometimes. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Is like we have to, if we have to inhabit these environments, we're still going to have not in the same way of like, if you put me in a room with, you know, uh, in a narrow space with high walls and, and no lighting in a physical environment that will have a different psychological kind of, you know, effect on me. But there is a degree of that where it will still have that same effect on me in the virtual environment. If I'm wearing VR goggles and I'm in that space and I feel somehow disenfranchised from some of my senses and, you know, aren't, aren't able to locate myself and where I am, that starts to have an effect on my physical body and the experience that I have in that space. And so the design of space is the design of space. And we are human beings. We interact with those spaces in the same way, whether they are digital or physical, they have an, an effect on us. So what's starting to happen is like all of these, you know, these architects or architecture students or kind of young designers who are coming out into this industry who are probably more fluent in tech than anyone that has come out of architecture school before and also also have grown up in a culture of instant gratification and aren't necessarily as able to kind of sit on those you know two three five year timelines where that it takes to go from the kind of concept to construction are falling more into those roles where they're like let me hop on let me just make some pixels let me ma yeah you know let me make something that i can actually see let me you know, be in an environment where I can actually test and prototype what I'm making with people. Um, and instead of kind of operating from this place of a more kind of like theoretical and conceptual place and dealing with a lot more of the bureaucracy that you would have to in the real world. Oh, yeah. I remember being in uh, working as a draftsman in an architectural firm, and the best I ever got to do was design a bathroom. Party. Yeah, man. Now oh, that's the highlight. So. Hey, they really trusted you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the highlight of my career until I I went into other digital physical stuff. Okay, so so this is neat. So the the digital environment is uh, definitely impacting how we work. It's going to impact the space. It sounds like. It's going to make for interesting choices around how physical spaces will be built. You know, I could wax philosophical on this, but if I'm wearing AR glasses, do I really need to have completed buildings? Because I can just digitally overlay nice finishes on these buildings. Or I can go to an art gallery that's essentially empty and look at digital art, but it's on a physical wall. I mean, are, are we going to go to this, like, pretty sparse future or are people still going to want to have nice things to look at and touch and feel physically? Yeah. I mean, and this is where I say like my spirit animal is a grandma because, because <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, you know, cause, cause at the end of the day, like we as human beings still have blood and skin and the sense of touch and smell and sight and all of that. Right. Like, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> You might be a bionic human. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, and so I think like, I, I think we will still, you know, there's this, 
I don't know if you've noticed, but like everyone has been obsessed with plants in the last, you know, two or three yeah. years, right? But I've got a little garden behind this building. Exactly. I mean, I have plants all over my house. Like it's, you know, a little tiny kind of jungle in the middle of LA, but <laughs> and so I think it's it's things like that we that we'll still need. I I don't think that we're going to get completely to that place that like dystopian black mirror-esque you know Mm. it's enough to live in a box um uh kind of environment and and i think we're already seeing almost like you know you always have these call and response kind of um moments right where it's like people get super gung-ho about the tech and then we say oh wait a minute it's too much we we need to remember our humanity let's have like a you know, let's have a festival where we're disconnected and not tethered to our devices. Right. Right. So I feel like that back and forth, that call and response is going to at some point keep us from that far out future where like, I don't think we're ever going to forget our humanity. Yeah. I, I can tell you that I'm happiest when the power gets cut off to my house and I can like, I can actually hear like all the things turning off and then it's just silent. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is what it was like. Yeah. You know? And then, and then the power comes back on and I'm all kind of like, ah, oh, all right. Back, back to life. And think about it, right? Like there's a difference between, you know, experiencing like a digital desert experience versus being out in the desert and seeing the stars in the sky and feeling the sun or, you know, whatever it is, the smells, like all of those things Unless we get real good at like smell-o-vision and, you know, heat lamps and all of that stuff. (laughs) Like, you know, I I think there's, to me, that says that we've kind of given up on the planet. And I don't think that we're ready to do that yet. I know I haven't. I'm pretty sure you haven't either. Yeah. Um, And, and yeah, we've, we've got this huge digital infrastructure that we've built. And we're layering stuff on top of it. And that is it's kind of, I think it's just the future of how we're going to work. But maybe the question is like, is it the future of how we're going to do our, our play and, and living part? But maybe the work part makes a lot of sense. I think it's going to be a hybrid. Like I, I think too much of anything is going to be problematic, you know? And so, and we're already seeing these hybrid versions in the way in schools and the way that people learn. Um, in the way that, you know, kids play, I don't think we're going to lose that. I think it's just in the same way that we talk about the built environment and we say, listen, you can have the most provocative vision for the smart city of the future, but you're not dealing with the blank slate, right? You have to consider context. You have to consider the lineage of the places in which you're designing for. I think it's the same for online. We have to consider context and it's not a blank slate because we're not just dealing with digital natives. You know, we are dealing with probably one of the most kind of varied ranges of human beings in the history of humanity at this point. And they're all going to have different expectations and different memories of what their experiences in those spaces were like. I've been told that the speaking to the architectural students that are graduating that uh, over the last 15 years ago, they would say, I want to be the next great architect. And now uh, we hear a lot from these graduating students that they want to help 
with uh, the climate crisis. They want to reduce the environmental impact of the building industry. Can you talk a little bit about that, about the, the attitudes around the built environment and its impact on the environment? Yeah. And I think, again, this has come from this place of we're not just operating in our, you know, the localities in which we grew up or which we studied. We're seeing the effects of the work that we're doing out in the world. And it's, it's, you hit it on the head. It's, you know, and I hear that from my students as well, where it's like, they don't want to just be learning about speculative design or about architecture. They want to make sure that the work they're doing has an impact on the world, a positive impact on the world. And I think that's just because, again, they've been exposed to so much more than we could have ever been exposed to. It's like when I was growing up, the way you got your information before the Internet was you went to the library. And if the library didn't have the book you needed, you lent it from another library, right? And they, and that was the expand, like that was the extent of my knowledge network and my understanding of what was happening in the world. But now you even look at, you know, it wasn't until I was probably in high school where I learned, wait a minute, the history that I was being taught is different than the history that my cousins in India were being taught. And what does that mean for the way that we think about the future and the way that we think about the impact on the planet? And this, this kind of emerging generation of, of students, of design students, I think have really grown up with that and grown up with this notion of, you know, multiple lenses and multiple histories and the bigger, a more full picture, I would say of what the world really looks like and the impact that we're having on it. It's not enough to just want to be the star architect. And I think also, you know, when I was in school, we we kind of thought about, um, I, I think I was on that cusp of that change from like, I want my stuff to be everlasting. Well, listen, everlasting is a luxury now. You can't build stuff and put it out there with the hope that it's going to be around for a hundred years because what's the world going to look like in a hundred years? And so I think the the biggest what we can really do as designers and as architects and as people who have really been entrusted to think about the human experience is to ensure that, you know, the future doesn't forget people, basically. And so I think students these days are really growing up with a bit of that burden and, and kind of hopefully seeking it out as an opportunity. Okay, well... I, it sounds like we're going to continue to find our balance between the physical and digital. You know, that pendulum is just, it's kind of swinging back and forth. And Rada, I wanted to thank you for uh, joining me today on Breaking New Ground. Thank you. So Vim has made a next generation real-time engine to experience the built environment digitally, but without the baggage that comes along with traditional game engines. And this is actually bridging the gap between the physical and the virtual for the people who need it most, the builders and the owners of where we live, play, and work. Join us next time on Breaking New Ground from Vim. Mm -hmm.